in when I was a teenager, they would ha they would have you have a Bible study. You would have a, you would read the Bible and stuff. And at one point, they want you to conv to be with the objective of being born again. <laughs> so I think there was some time, like after lots of reading of the Bible, they had you say you took accepted Jesus as your Savior, and then. And in Protestant Methodist religion, like, you've finished then. All you have to do is accept Jesus as your Savior, and you're pretty much done. And you're saved. But, but here we are many years later, and we're still working out salvation. So we try to meet salvation in light this lifetime, for certain, and not wait till after death. So that's like where you go up to... Fifth plane of such con in this lifetime. Hmm. And you don't accept that stuff at all. But we're going to read about how, I guess, Augustine was born again. Hmm. Hmm. But he did more than that, mystically, I believe. He's very mystical. Yeah. We'll see what more he did. We're reading the Confessions of St. Augustine in Book 6, 3.14. I did not, however, find an opportunity to ask the questions I wanted to to that most holy oracle of yours. So, 3.4, I did not, however, find an opportunity to ask the questions I wanted to to that most holy oracle of yours as hard unless what I asked could be answered briefly, but to pour, pour out the fury ferment within me required him to have much time, which he never had. He's talking about his bishop, St. Ambrose, Ambrose, I believe, his teacher when he moved to Rome. Yet I did hear him every Sunday night preaching the word of truth among the people, and it became ever more clear to me that all the knots of ingenious trickery that the Manichaeans, deceivers, had devised against the Holy Scriptures could be unraveled. I now learn for certain that your spiritual sons, who by your grace have been born again through our mother, the true church, do not interpret man as having been made by you in your own image to mean that they conceived you as being bound by a human form, though I did not have the slightest dimmest notion of what a spiritual substance might be. I blushed with dismay, but I also delighted that for so many years I had railed not against the Christian church, but against the fictions of imagining you as corporeal. I had been so impetuous and impious that what I ought to have learned with iniquity I had pronounced upon with condensation, condemnation, for you, most high and most near, most hidden and most present, who do not have some limbs that are larger and some that are smaller, 
who are entire everywhere and not limited to one place. You are not of a corporeal shape such as ours. And yet have man made after your own image, but behold, man from head to foot is in one place. Uh -huh. well, I mean, there's some points here. I mean, he goes on and on. But there are some key points that man has made in his image. Uh -huh. 5.4. Ignorant of what your image consisted, I ought to have knocked. Uh, he should have knocked on the door. I should have knocked. Now that refers to uh, we're learning the Bible here. This is like Bible studies. Matthew 7, 7. I should have knocked and asked how it was to be believed and not opposed it with insult. What I imagined was in fact believed, thus distressed as to what I should hold for certain gnawed more sound sharply at my innards. And the more ashamed I was that for so long I had been deluded and deceived by the promise of certainty, ranting as I had done with childish error and audacity against so many uncertainties as if they were certain. That they were falsehoods became clear to me later, but I was sure that they were uncertain and that I had once held them for certain when, with blind disputes, I had accused your true church. Even if I did not yet know that that your church taught the truth, at least I knew that it did not teach that of which I had so gravely accused it. Whence I was confused and turned towards you, and I rejoiced, my God, that the one true church, the body of your only Son, in which the name of Christ had been installed in me, as a child was not inclined to childish trifles. Nor did it sound doctrine maintained, as sound doctrine maintained any precept that should confine you. The creator of all within a space, whatever, vast and wide, constraining you on all sides within the limbs of a human form. Could he be constrained within a human form? Hmm. Hmm. Well, supposedly there is a Christ power manifested in a man. <clears throat> so this is not all fictitious. Huh? 4.6, I was also filled with joy that I could re now read the law and the prophets of the Old Testament with a different eye to which before they had seemed absurd and I was had censured your saints for doctrines that they did not in fact espouse. After receiving initiation or having your third eye open, you can... Be filled with joy and read the Old Testament with a different eye. I was delighted to hear Ambrose in his sermons to the people assiduously commend as the a rule, quote, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. <laughs> I suppose the spirit would give life. Corinthians 2, 3. Six, drawing aside the mystic veil and revealing the spirituality that which, when understood, literally means seem to teach something perverse. Hmm. 
Mystic Veil. Uh, why is it perverse? He did not say anything I could not accept, though I did not yet know whether what he said was true, for I kept my heart from assenting, fearing that I would fall, but in hanging, suspended as I was, I was all the more suffocated. I wanted to be as certain of the things I could not see as I was certain that seven and three are ten. I was not so mad as to think that even that could not be comprehended, but I wanted to have other things just as certain, whether they be corporeal things not, not present to my senses, or spiritual things that I did not know how to imagine other than in corporeal way. But I could have been cured by believing so that my mind's vision would be cleared and in some way guided to your truth which always abides and never forsakes. As, but as happens with one who has had a bad position and is afraid of entrusting himself to one who is good. So that it was with my soul that could not be healed except by believing and out of fear that it might believe falsehoods. It refused to be healed, resisting your hands, you who have prepared the medicines of faith, and apply them to the illnesses of the entire world, giving them such great power. What? Huh? You have a question? No? Mm. 5.7 in Book 6 of the Confessions of St. Augustine. From this time on, however, I began to prefer the true Christian doctrine and thought it more restrained and honest in its call to believe things that could not be proven, either because they could not be understood by those present, despite their being provable, or because they could not be proven at all. While the Medicaeans brashly promised knowledge, mocking faith as credulity, and only then to command that we believe most whimsical and absurd things because they could not be proven. Then little by little, Lord, with your most tender and merciful hand, I touched and appeased my heart. I now reflected on the innumerable things I believed that I had not seen and that had occurred when I was not present. Many things in the history of the world the many reports of places and cities I have never seen, the many things I had heard from friends, from physicians, from so many other men, things which, if we do not believe, we would not would do nothing in this life at all. And then there was that firm assurance with which I believed of what parents I had been born, something I could not know unless I had believed what I had heard. Thus, you persuaded me that those were not to blame who believed your scriptures, which you have established with such authority among nearly all peoples, but that those who do not believe them were to blame. You persuaded me that I must not listen to those who might say to me, quote, How do you know that those scriptures have been bestowed upon mankind by the Spirit of the one true and truthful God? Question mark. How do you know? How do we know? Mm -hmm. Isn't it wrong to raise questions? Some people think it is 
It is bestowed upon mankind by the spirit of the one true and truthful God. For this of all things is most to be believed, since no power of belligerence of deceiving questioning so much of which I had read in all the philosophers who <laughs> contradicted one another could wrench from me the belief that you are what you are, even if I knew not what you are, and that the governance of all things human lies with you. I don't know how else to read this. Hmm. Hmm. Did you put the agua there for the oatmeal? Avena? The avena? The agua for oatmeal? 5.8. My belief in this was at a time stronger, at times weaker. But I also believe both that I, you exist and that you watch over us, though I never knew what was to be thought of your substance, nor what path led to you or led back to you, since we were too weak to discover the truth through pure, pure clear reason. We needed the authority of the Holy Writ. And now I now begin to believe that you would never have given such exalted authority in all lands to the Bible had you not willed us through it to believe in you and seek you, since I had heard explain many of the incongruities in the Bible. Incongruities that in the past I could not accept literally, I now ascribe them to the depth of its mystery. Its authority seemed to me the more venerable and worthy of holy faith in that. While it was open for all to read, it preserved the grandeur of its mysteries within its profounder meaning. There is great clarity in the Bible's words. <laughs> I'm saying... You say it's crazy. I say there is great clarity in the Bible's words uh -huh. and humility in its style. Okay. Uh -huh. But it, it also arouses the concentration of those who are not light of heart. Hmm. Hmm. Arouses the concentration. That way. Friend. To them to inspire them to do meditation? <laughs> Could be. Yeah. Uh, the Bible, Ecclesiastes 19.4. Hmm. It also arouses the concentration of those who are not light of heart and so receives all people in its embrace. There is great clarity in the Bible's words and humility in its style, but it also rouses the concentration of those who are not light of heart. Ecclesiastes, and so receives all people in its embrace. Oh, it's narrow gates, through its narrow gates. I should just keep this marked. Matthew seven thirteen. Narrow gates it sends to you a few souls. 
a few souls get through. Through its narrow gates, it sends you a few souls. Through its narrow gates, it sends you a few souls. Yet many more than if it did not loom with such great authority, nor draw such crowds to its bosom through its holy humility. These were my thoughts, and you were with me. I sighed, and you heard me. I wavered, and you led me, and I wandered through the wide paths of the world, and you did not forsake me. question is, am I forsaken now or not forsaken? Hmm. I suppose I wasn't mistake forsaken. Uh -huh. hmm. Oh, it's narrow gates. It sent me through its narrow gates. It sent me. Huh. Six point nine. I strove for honors, riches, and marriage, and you laughed at me. That's true. I strove for honors, riches, and marriage, and you laughed at me. <laughs> that actually happened. I strove but failed. He laughed at me. It didn't help me at all. He just laughed. I strove for honors, riches, marriage, and you laughed at me. In pursuing these desires, I underwent the most bitter difficulties. Most bitter difficulties. Most bitter. And you were the more compassionate, the less you allowed anything that was not you to delight me. I strove for riches, honors, riches, and marriage. Marriage, and you laughed at me. In pursuing these desires, I underwent the most bitter difficulties, and you were the more compassionate, the less you allowed anything that was not you to delight me. You were the more compassionate, the less you allowed anything that was not you to delight me. So he did scorched earth meltdown. So my materialistic things were scorched, subjected to scorched earth. And I had the most bitter difficulties. Look at my art word. You who will me to remember and confess to you, may my soul cling to you now that you have freed it from the vicious bird lime of death. God, vicious bird lime. We have to look up what a bird lime is. Bird lime. How wretched was my soul, and you inflamed the pain of the wound, so that abandoning all else, I might be directed to you, who are above all things, and without whom all things would be nothing, so that it might be directed toward you and healed. How wretched I was, and how you made me feel my wretchedness on that day when I was preparing to recite a panegyric, panegyric. Jeric, on the emperor, in which I was to lie profusely, and in lying gain the favor of those 
who knew I was lying? My heart was smothered with distress and boiling with the fever of pestilential thoughts, pestilential thoughts. As I walked along a street in Milan, I noticed an indigent beggar who was probably drunk. He was joking and happy. I sighed and said to my friends who were accompanying me how we suffered on account of foolish ambitions, such as those I was striving for and how I was dragging behind me the burden of my own wretchedness, goaded by the honor. I lusted after the load growing as I dragged it along, and yet all we wanted in our lives was to attain the carefree joy. All I wanted really was just the carefree joy, peace and quiet of living alone with my own piano, alone with the piano. Attain the carefree joy which the beggar had attained, though we had not and would perhaps never attain it. Since what the beggar had achieved by means of the few coins he had begged for, the joy of temporary happiness I was struggling to achieve through many anguished detours and deviations. It was not that this beggar had true happiness, but I, with my thirst for honors, was striving for happiness that was far more untrue. He was filled with joy, and I was filled with anxiety. He was untroubled, and I was distressed. If anyone had asked me whether I would rather be elated or downcast, I would have answered, elated. And yet, had I been asked whether I would rather be what he was or what I was at the time, I would have chosen to be myself, even though I was beset by trouble and fear. But would I not have made that choice rather out of perverseness and out of truthfulness? For I ought not to have set myself above the beggar simply because I was a man of greater learning, considering that my learning gave me no joy. With that learning, I strove to find favor with men, not to instruct them, but only to cull favor, for which you broke my bones with the staff of your instruction. <laughs> wow. I had my bones broken. <laughs> at that point, but I was seeking elation and being carefree joy, and, hmm. well, luckily I outgrew that stuff with riches and marriage, <laughs> he was able to obtain uh, ultra-cosmic, out-of-this-world bliss from meditation, <laughs> Born again. <laughs> Once you get born again, uh -huh. I don't know where this is going. Yeah. You can keep on reading, Harry. A lot of stuff here. Deposit. On Sundays, you typically continue. Six point ten. I turn my back on those who say to me, "Quote: There is a difference in the source of man's happiness. The beggar delights in drunkenness. You delight in glory." That's true, I actually delight in glory and not in drunkenness. I don't like alcohol. But what glory is there, Lord, when it is not in you? 
such as the beggar's happiness was false. <coughs> so too was my glory, and this preyed on my mind all the more. The beggar dispelled his drunkenness that very night, but I slept and rose again with mine. And I was to sleep and rise with it again for you know how many days. See, uh, you can accumulate spiritual bliss by repetitive meditation. If you meditate, like, say, for ten years, for three hours a day for ten years, you can become a little bit more than that drunk. <laughs> more than that drunk. <laughs> You can drink spiritual nectar. But I was aware that there is a difference in the sources of man's delight. And a delight in faith lies far ahead of the delight in vanity. Just as the beggar stood far ahead of me, he was much happier than I. Not only because he was drenched in mirth, I disemboweled with worry, but he had acquired his wine by wishing people well while I strove for prideful honors with lies. I said much about this to my friends at the time, and I also realized on many occasions, on other occasions such as this, what my state was, a state I found to be base, and I suffered and doubled the baseness, and if good fortune smiled upon me, I refrained from reaching out since almost before I grasped it, I flew away. <laughs> I don't think you can. There is. Bye. Love. Love. Transitory love. Transitory love comes and goes. It's no good. Seven point eleven. We friends who lived together lamented all this, but I disgusted in greater depth and friendship with Alipius and Brie. Bridius and Elipius, having been born in the same town as I, to a family of the highest rank, though he was younger than me. He had studied under me when I first taught in our town, and later in Carthage as well, and he held me in great esteem, as he considered me kind and learned. Uh -huh. Look who says it. Uh -huh. Who says it? Well, I prized him for his ex exceeding innate nature that had been manifest from his youngest years. Yet the world of Carthaginian life, with all those foolish spectacles that people followed with such fervor, had drawn him into the lewd frenzy of the circus arena. While Olympias was caught up in this deplorable world, I was not yet attending the public classes in rhetoric that I was teaching, but because of some rancor that had arisen between his father and me. But I had discovered Olypius's dire passion for the circus arena, and I was deeply anguished that he was about to and already had cast away a future of such promise. Yet I could not admonish or somehow restrain him, not with the goodwill of a friend or with the authority of a teacher, for I assume that he thought of me the same way his father did. But this is not the case. Disregarding his father's wishes, he began to greet me and sometimes would come into my auditorium to listen for a while and then leave. Hmm. 
Yeah. Hmm. 7.12. I neglected to tend to him so that his blind and rash uh, fondness for vain diversions would not ruin his excellent qualities. But you, Lord, who steer and govern all that you have created, had not neglected him who was to be a bishop of your sacrament among your children. And his correction must be entirely attributed to you, even if you brought it about through me, who was unaware of your design. For one day, as I was sitting in my usual place with my students before me, he entered and greeted me, sat down, and applied his mind to what I was instructing. If you apply your mind to what I'm instructing by listening to this podcast... As I was explaining a certain passage, an example from the Lude Circus Arena occurred to me that I felt would make what I was explaining to the students clear through biting ridicule of those who were under the sway of that madness. You know, God, that it had not been my intention to cure Lepius of that pestilence, but he took what I said entirely upon himself and thought I had said it only on his account, and while another might have been angered at me, this honest youth took it as a reason to be angered at himself, cherishing me all the more. <laughs> For you had once said and placed it in your scriptures, quote, admonish a wise man and he will love you. Really? Admonish him. Really? Hmm. Proverbs 9 8. Hmm. Yet it was not I who had admonished him, but you made my heart and tongue fury calls with which you scourged away the disease of in his mind. Of great promise and secured it, you who made use of everyone, whether they are aware or unaware, and all within an order that you discern. You who make use of everyone, whether they are aware or unaware, and all within an order that you discern, and that order is just. Let him not sing your praises who considers not your mercies which I avow before you from my inmost depths. For after I had spoken those words, Alapius soared forth from the deep pit into which he had so willingly plunged, blinded by his bizarre delights, and with great forbearance he shook out his soul. Whereupon all the filth from the circus flew off. That's like all the, the chit or the sense data noise from the internet is shook off. The filth from the circus, that would be like the, the TV or the internet. The filth from the circus flew off. Nor did he ever go there again. <laughs> so he spent more time in meditation and less watching TV and on the internet. He now overcame his father's opposition to my becoming his tutor. His father yielded and agreed, and Ipolipius began to attend my lessons once more. Becoming along, coming along with me entangled in the same superstitions, esteeming in the Americans a show of austerity, which he supposed to be true and sincere, 
Whereas it was I that was deceptive and seductive, an austerity that captured precious souls who were not yet able to reach the heights of virtue and were easily beguiled by appearances of what was merely a feigned and false virtue. Captured precious souls. How do they do that? Proverbs six twenty three twenty six. <laughs> oh wow! Thank you. Is that oatmeal your style? Huh. I'm going to stop here to eat oatmeal.